Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome in to episode 37 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is TF Joker. Joker, what's the crack, brother? What's going on? Oh, you know, just basking in the the warm fuzzies from the rumble last week, PT. You know, like we were talking about last week's episode, I went off and I enjoyed a great deal of the rumble. Um, gosh, just this week has gone by in a blur because of that. Cause I've just been satisfied with some of the stuff that went on. I gotta say, the Royal Rumble, as always, but this particular one was very fun to watch. It was. Uh... Especially the just the nature of the rumble matches themselves is just always exciting, kind of just seeing how they're gonna play out. Obviously, there it was some stuff that happened at the pay-per-view, which we're gonna get into this week's episode. But yeah, I thought the just pay-per-view was just kind of uh it was fun. Uh just a fun watch. Yeah, by no means was it the best uh Royal Rumble, you know, men's Royal Rumble, women's Royal Rumble. Um it, by, by no means was it the best card, but a lot of the stuff that was on the card had uh, really, really good build. And that's the main thing about what I enjoyed the most about, uh, about the thing was there was these small storylines in there that you wanted to see play out within the, the main rumble, some of the matches that were in there. And then, obviously, the uh, the main event uh, with Romy and Lettuce and uh, Kevin Steen. Um, was somewhat enjoyable. I believe the term somewhat is an accurate descriptor, to be fair. <laughs> there were pops to be had and some dissension, shall we say. But yeah, just, man, I gotta say, Pop H is doing a really good job of giving us a little bit of breadcrumbs and having us invested in the story, shall I say. Oh yeah, 100%. It's one of the good things about the Rumble and up to many a season, beginning with the Rumble, is the stories that you have played out since last year's Mania, if there were long-term ones, this is where there'd be blow-off. But there have really been nothing, has been nothing for a long time like that. And then we have this story with Sami Zayn and the Bloodline um, having a bit of a blow-off at the... At, the Rumble, and now we've got a nice uh, roadmap towards WrestleMania, um, and it's it's it it looks really really good, and and I'm glad that uh, Pop H decided to uh, sort of stick with it because, like I said, I've had a lot of fun with it, and it's it was the highlight of my week last week. Quite the amazing main event after the main event shall we say so a lot got a lot of people talking a lot of people interested in the match itself in the storyline sort of what's going to happen next so honestly if we're looking at that particular piece i gotta say just kudos and congratulations to the wwe on a just really well received royal rumble pay-per-view oh 100 yeah well done all right so we hopefully Agree that we enjoyed it, and we hope that you enjoyed that too, because there's a lot of fun to be had about kind of what's going to go happen next in not only the next coming weeks, but the next couple months as we build on the road to WrestleMania 2. 
WrestleMania going Hollywood. All right, before we jump into the show proper, we here at Kayfabe Council are saddened to hear the passing of Alani Poffo. Our thoughts are with his family, friends, and fans at this time. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at Sami Zayn turns on the bloodline. And we take a look at the Royal Rumble winners, Cody Rhodes winning the Men's Rumble, and Rhea Ripley winning the Women's Royal Rumble. So, coming up first. Sammy Zayn turns on the bloodline. What an absolute shocker that we're covering this. <laughs> Can you believe some, we're getting out of our comfort zone clearly and talking about this particular Just story? Just some small storyline that no one's paid attention to or has any investment in. We decided, you know, we want to just focus on this just just because. You know, a little bit more of the obscure things that are happening on in the wrestling world, you know, namely Sammy and the Bloodline, you know, something that nobody's really uh, talked about, nor have we ever talked mm. about on this channel. Yeah, no, I can't remember it. Hugh, Kevin McAllister, shocked face over here, so. <laughs> yeah, as we were mentioning in the intro to the show, the intense nature of the main event after the main event of the Royal Rumble coming to a head and just having its sort of next story beat chapter beat have all this emotion and all this sort of intrigue coming to a head at the close of the pay-per-view so I gotta say before we dive into the segment itself what was just your initial reaction after the first time that you watched it man what what was what was your just, what was your feeling? Yes! Like, I saw the chair shot that resigned it across the world, around the world, whatever you want to say. And I rejoiced because it was just so good. I, it, was, it, was, it was really awkward body language, like they were setting up for the spot. I was like, Simon's going to hit him with that chair. Simon's going to hit him with that chair. I just kept repeating it and willing it into existence. And then Sami hit him with the chair. And uh, I got super freaking excited. That's that's what happened. Like, I just was super happy that this happened. Um, yeah, uh, I, I can't get any more than that. Like, it was so good. I had a proverbial goosebump moment when you're sort of, it was leading in, and then all of a sudden when it happened, I was like, ooh, like that sort of shock runs through your body, and I was like, there it is. There's not too many moments. Not to say that I am sort of a jaded fan or sort of underwhelmed or anything, but there hasn't been many moments that I've gotten sort of excited about or kind of appreciated, but this was definitely one of them, sort of the payoff or kind of the... Thing that you want to happen sort of happens or it's just really a big moment so i was like oh man this is this is one of those moments oh yeah oh 100 like, we we have you know all jokes aside we have been covering this particular story pretty much since its real inception uh whenever sammy was was coming into the bloodline and and 
the whole progression of that. Now, some weeks were more important than others, clearly, um, because there's only so much emphasis you can put on this. And then this being a blow off, like we'd said earlier, uh, was was something to behold. Um, I, I have been invested in this story for quite a long time just to enjoy uh, a couple of characters that don't often get the spotlight in Jay and Sammy. Like they really have carried this entire storyline from their rivalry, from Jay not trusting Sammy to now the sort of brotherly bond over the course of the last three months that has has happened there. Now Jay feeling betrayed. Um, and you know, we we talked about this whole thing about what was going to happen with with Jay and Sammy, and now that is honestly some of the more intriguing stuff. Whereas before, I was like, you know, Jay needs to wise up and stop doing all this here, and you know, sort of thinking about what Jay could do. And now I'm like, well, now Sammy and Jay need to sort of figure out what's going on. Is Jay doing this to be cerebral and get in get in Sammy's head and you know, maybe not betray Roman, or are they going to continue on with uh, maybe him betraying Roman? Now that's where my direction is heading, because no longer do I care about how Sammy works within the bloodline. Now I care about how Sammy is going to work against the bloodline, and it's just going to be fantastic. Definitely came to a head and just excited about what happened. So we'll get into it here. The end of the pay per view was the universal wwe undisputed championship match with the champion roman reigns facing off against kevin owens very hard fought and kind of stiff looking matchup we go to the finish of the match sees roman reigns slams kevin owens into the steel steps roman goes to stare at a concerned Sami Zayn briefly back to ko another slam into the steps and michael cole begging referee chad Patton to call the match Paul Heyman tells Sammy to acknowledge his tribal chief, and Zayn throws the one up. Roman grabs Kevin by the beard. Owens slaps Roman off the ropes. Roman Reigns wins by pinfall with a spear, retaining the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Post-match, the Usos and Solo Sokoa join Sammy, Roman, and Heyman in the ring. Jay wants to put the Ulafala on Zayn, but Reigns waves him off. Roman stops Jay and says there's still some business to attend to first. Roman tells the Usos to put the boots to KO. Off the ropes, 1D! They drag Kevin into the corner and beat on him. Collaring Owens with steel chair, Solo winds up, splash in the corner. Reigns asks Heyman for something, and Paul pulls out two pairs of handcuffs for him. Roman gives one to each Uso, and they handcuff Owens to the top rope. Jimmy and Jay lay superkick after superkick after superkick into the helpless Kevin Owens' jaw, and Reigns advances, chair in hand. Roman talks to Kevin about disrespecting him and the family. And Sammy Zayn before winding up with the chair. But Sammy gets in front of Roman and asks him to stop. Respectfully, he's the tribal chief and the universal champion, and this is beneath Roman. 
This is enough, and Roman's better than this. Sammy begs Roman, telling him that Kevin is done, and Reigns holds the chair out for Sammy. Sammy says he doesn't want the chair. Roman says he should do it. Heyman tells Sammy this is his purpose, and Reigns insists Sammy take the chair. There's no going back now. He's gone too far. Sammy tells Roman Kevin doesn't care about him. Kevin's just an anchor. But Roman loves Sammy and has taken care of Sammy. And if he wants to be in the main event, he wants to be a part of the bloodline. Otherwise, if he didn't want to do it, he should go and do a jackass-ish. Reigns got in Zane's face and told him to do it. Owens has to go. Zayn is hesitant. Reigns tells him to pull the trigger and sees that Sammy's crying. Heyman says there's no crying in the bloodline. Roman pie-faces Zayn a few times and turns to talk to KO, some more with Roman's back turned. Sammy hits Roman with the chair and tells the Usos that he's sorry as the crowd is going wild. Jimmy, Jay, Solo, and Heyman stare on in shock. Jay, visibly upset, screams, What are you doing, man? I called you my brother. Jimmy lays Sammy out with a superkick. Jimmy screams at Jay, You say you love him like a brother? This is your brother? No, I'm your brother. Solo Sokoa jumps on Sammy right after and then hits Sammy with a Samoan spike. Solo holds him down while Roman screams at Sammy and Jimmy punches him again and again. Owens straining against the cuffs. Jay is conflicted in the corner and the others tell him that Sammy isn't his brother, but Jay won't attack Sammy. Jay leaves the ring in tears, and Reigns wallops Zane with the chair over and over and over again. Roman hits Sammy with mounted punches and viciously tears Sammy's shirt off. Jimmy hands Roman a lay, and F.U. Roman chant rings out in the stadium. He plucks the flowers from the lay and drops them on Sammy's fallen body. The bloodline leaves Sammy and Kevin in the ring together, unconscious. Roman, standing with the remaining members of the bloodline in the aisleway, says, We're at war now, Solo. We take no prisoners. Just as I was reading that, I was getting some goosebumps as well, sort of reliving those scenes in my mind. But Joker, I gotta say, when Sammy hits Roman, and when I mentioned that the crowd goes wild, the Alamo Dome almost had the roof blow off. I haven't heard a reaction like that in quite a while. And it was definitely like we've enjoyed that moment and we've been enjoying the storyline. The crowd 
was shocked, appreciative, concerned, all at the same time by the reaction that they gave. Oh, 100%. The, this entire sequence of events going from the end of the match to the end of the pay-per-view uh, was just a roller coaster ride of emotions for everybody, and I, I, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. When uh, when Roman faces off against Sammy, whenever Sammy has the chair, uh, and he's he's really in his face. Sammy has a moment of defiance where you can see he he clenches his jaw and he pushes back against against Roman before just sheepishly turning away at the very end. And it, it's in that moment you're like, oh yeah, it's it's coming. Something's about to happen. Like the the, the fact that Roman's turning his back on Sammy a lot, you just look at it, go, come on, Sammy, it's right there. It's right there to do it. But the the best bit for me was honestly whenever Sammy turned to Jay and said I'm sorry and dropped the chair, because the three people who sold it the best were Jimmy, Jay, and Sammy, like. Of course, Roman was laid out the floor, 100%. Congratulations, you know how to get hit by a chair. But um, whenever you talk about being able to sell it, Jay was, was sitting screaming at him. Now, we know that Jay and, and Sammy have had this sort of back-and-forth relationship where it's it's been mostly Jay hating on Sammy. But Jimmy has kind of always accepted Sammy as a friend, as, as, as sort of a compatriot. But he never had much of a relationship with him. Do you know what I mean? Like whenever we, we kind of see the evolution of the bloodline, and you know, if we go back to the very beginning when it was main event Jey Uso against Roman Reigns in the Hell in a Cell a while ago now. Uh Roman Reigns was crying, Mr. Paul Heyman. There is crying in the bloodline, because he was crying crocodile tears in order to get um get Jimmy into a guillotine. Just because Jimmy was out there trying to uh, stop Roman from beating on his brother. So there is crying in the bloodline, Mr. Heyman. But Jimmy has always been this sort of sacrificial lamb to Roman. He's always manipulated Jay, and he's always sort of used Jimmy in a, as a fashion. And whenever you kind of look at the relationship you had, Jimmy realizes that he's been betrayed. Not as harshly, maybe, as Jay, but he takes a step back and leans on the top rope. He he sells it so well, even though you know he's going back to lay out a super kick. And you can see the fact that he he is really angry. He's looking down, he's looking at Sammy, and then a couple steps bang straight in the face. Jay did nothing. Jay just looked aghast. He was super pissed. He's super pissed. And I and I think anybody would be because of this betrayal. But his actions after that, whenever he was told to join in with Jimmy and and uh, and Solo, he hits the he hits the mat, rolls out, and walks off. Sammy did the one thing that Jay couldn't do. Sammy hit Roman with a chair and stood in defiance because he saved his friend Kevin. But Jay couldn't save his brother. Jimmy was used as a bit of meat to get Jay to relent. In the, in the Hell in a Cell match with Roman Reigns. Because he had him held into a guillotine. Jay wouldn't quit. Jay refused to quit up until this point. He was even to the point where he was prone. And Jay was lying over his body. You know, screaming at Roman not to do it. Jay couldn't hit Roman like that. 
nor could he save his brother. Sammy did that. So how do you think Jay is going to take being shown to be one of these guys that's going to be beating on what is essentially himself? Like him and Sammy are actually linked in this. And it feels really, really bad for Jay to be seen to be betrayed like this. I really have grown to enjoy their relationship because it's over the top and it's hilarious. But I love the evolution from hitting each other and Jay trying to get one up to the the story a couple weeks ago with the trial. Whenever, you know, you were talking about the trial and Jay saved Sammy from the Samoan Spike and then gave him the entire defense. How awesome was that? And those were scenes during the time that, you know, they hated each other. Jay didn't want to admit it, but Jay was more akin to Sammy in his role in the bloodline than maybe a Jimmy was, his actual brother. Betrayal, I think, is the most accurate takeaway from that pivot point moment after Sammy hits Roman with the chair and he turns to Jimmy and Jay. Sammy says, I'm sorry. And Jay just semi-hunched over, hands at his side, sort of clawed hands, screaming, You're my what are you doing? You you're my you thought you were my brother. That that emotion. Just he doesn't know what to do because of all the things you said, because of their relationship overcoming those obstacles, overcoming the what he even mentioned in his closing statements at the trial, Jay, saying that he didn't, in the beginning or the earlier portions, he didn't like Sammy, he despised Sammy, but Sammy saw the good in him, and that's what family do. That's those, those moments were flashing in his mind when he's trying to process this moment. And you're right, Jimmy just sort of registers it, turns away, sort of leans up against the ropes, and then just, it's as if a switch clicked on in his mind and just super kicked Sammy and then off to the races. And it's one of those where you can see the real confliction in Jay. Just what this guy that I thought and I called my brother, and he does that. And he's trying to think, well, what am I going to do in this moment? Because he has his real family, obviously his blood family, with with Jimmy and, and Solo and his cousin Roman, right? And then he has this guy that he's he's come he's gone to war with and he's he's come to trust and and, and has grown on him and Sammy and he does this arguably unforgivable act. And you're right, he sort of sees himself in this relationship that Sammy and Kevin have had for twenty plus years of being friends and enemies and going to war, but always keeping an eye out for one another and, and trying to make sure that they're they're okay. And it came to a head, and I don't know. Maybe it's that Sammy was was strong to see that the ties that bind were strong with Kevin ultimately, but Jay being defiant since the beginning and he was the first member to be in the bloodline having to not play second fiddle but sort of 
be submissive in a sense to Roman. Roman is the leader, is the head of the table, the tribal chief. And you saw flashes over the last two plus years of, of Jay. Maybe it's be called being hot-headed. Maybe it's called having sort of an attitude or sort of resistant. But you saw those flashes of him just not always agreeing or, or trying to take onus into his own. But I don't know if it, he was trying to look after his family or be part of the family or be supportive or not be strong enough to, to go against the tribal chief or whatever you want to call it or whatever you may think. But maybe there is some validity to the fact that Sammy stood up for his brother-in-arms because he saw something wrong going. And Jay, being under thumb, as you've mentioned before, was trying to find a way to be supportive, but then sort of playing at odds with himself about what's right, what's wrong, what's loyalty, what's untrustworthiness, and it's just he just chose not to attack. Well, let me clarify a couple more points here, just from what you said and everything yeah. else. Bloodline might be family, but they all got press ganged into it. There's no loyalty here. Like, okay, 100%. In real life, outside of the, build, the building, there is family, 100%. The Anawai family, huge dynasty, fantastic. Congratulations. The bloodline is Roman Reigns press-ganging the Usos into his service. And that is the long and short of it. You can't go against family. You were told not to go against family. You were beaten. But did Jay ever lose to Roman? Or was he made to relent to protect his family? The real head of the table is Jay, because he protected family. Roman did not. Roman put his hands to family, to weakened family. Jimmy had come back after injury, and he put him in a guillotine choke, just to get Jay to relent. Jay was protecting family. Roman was attacking him. Jay was put into a position of being in this bloodline to protect it from Roman, not from everyone else. Nobody else mattered to him except family. Now, Solo, the younger brother in, in the real-life situation, was told by the elders to be an enforcer, to enforce the will of the tribal chief, because we acknowledge him. Cool. Nice one. But he didn't choose this, but he's not being press-ganged into it. He's being told by the village elders the family elders, the heads of the head of the table, to be of use. Cool. Guy's a loyal soldier, does what he does. Sammy chose this because he wanted that sense of family. So I completely see where you're coming from with you know, Jay being the right-hand man, maybe feeling like second fiddle, all this here. But yeah, the, the, the kind of road years with, with Kevin Stain uh, coming through with uh, you know Kevin Owens, the NXT call-ups, you know, all this here, they have been through a lot of KO and, uh, and Sami. So they are like brothers. And in this moment, Sami did, like I said before, what Jay couldn't. He stopped the tribal chief from hurting his actual family. But Sami also knew that to do this would invite more harm to the family. And he apologized. He didn't go on a rampage and start attacking other people. 
because they weren't surplus. They were just there. They weren't attacking KO. They weren't the problem. It was Roman. Roman wanted blood and wouldn't stop until he got it. He wasn't using anybody else. He took his problem to Roman, which Jay couldn't do. He couldn't finish the job against Roman. Sami did. Jimmy, I don't know whether or not they're going to be playing him off as, you know, going to get frustrated with being a patsy for, uh, for Mr. Roman Reigns. But uh, I know for a fact that uh, this Bloodline story is a lot of fun to look at through the lens of the last few years. Through the fact that Paul Logan, Logan Paul, whatever his name is, um, uh, Logan Paul, that's his name, right? Actually made a really good point about who's the real head of the table. Is it Jay or is it Roman? And then again, weeks later, Man, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief said. Frustrations coming through because while you might think Jay might be hot headed, maybe Jay didn't actually care. You know, whenever you were kids, you would make a promise and you would wash your fingers behind your back. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I promise to do that. That's how I feel like Jay got home whenever he said, I promise to acknowledge you, my tribal chief, and just had his fingers crossed behind his back. Because he, there is no way you can have someone do this. If you attacked my brother in front of me, it would upset me and I would relent, but I would hold a grudge. And that is how I feel like Jay may now work with Sammy. Oh, please make it happen. It's the interesting notion of absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you're mentioning that Roman's potential power trip, Roman's potential ego or to an extent his insecurity about having to be the leader, having to be the one that's in power, the head of the table, the tribal chief, may have some personal things to gain, i.e. more money, more power, being the champion. And maybe he put that ahead of what he considered family as a means to an end. But Jay, to your point, always had these notions of what family is. Obviously his brother, Jimmy, bringing along Solo, looking out for him. Even at multiple points through his confrontation and his reservations about Sami Zayn, Jay always referred back to, this is my family, and if you do anything to my family, I'm coming for you. Jay was always focused on that. Maybe at the end of the day, it was, it was Jay was the one who was steering that ship for the family. So it's quite, it's quite interesting notion. I'll give it to you. You know, it's where, where are we going to see now with, with Jay stepping away from that, from the beating that. He felt he couldn't join in and he was conflicted about. So you're right. Sammy only brought his 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 fight to Roman. He didn't bring it to Jay. He didn't bring it to Jimmy. He didn't bring it to Solo. He didn't bring it to Paul Heyman. So he he addressed that and what you mentioned again, he said he instantly turned and said, I'm sorry. So 
and it wasn't it wasn't against anybody else. He just couldn't let this this beating, this sort of malicious injustice stand. So he had to take a stand. He had to show some humanity in this in the sea of uncertainty, in the sea of viciousness. That if a if a tyrant of sorts had to show his dominance and had to go scorched earth, Sammy wasn't wasn't comfortable with that at the expense of a friend of a brother. So maybe it is he Jay saw the strength in Sammy that he just couldn't do for the sake of the family. Yep. So another emotional filled confrontation as we once again see Sammy and KO lying in the ring and Roman on the entrance way again mentioning we're at war now solo we take no prisoners. So we fast forward to SmackDown as the bloodline arrives at the arena for Friday Night SmackDown. Roman Reigns brushes Kayla Braxton off when she asks about Jey Uso. Paul Heyman tells Kayla off for such a cold-blooded question, saying at this time they can't confirm or deny Jey Uso's presence in the bloodline. We see later on in the show the bloodline are backstage. Roman Reigns asks Jimmy Uso where his brother is. Jimmy says he doesn't know and he hasn't spoken to Jay. Reigns asks if he finds that disrespectful. That not only would Jay walk out, but not even communicate for a whole week, even when they have a title match next week. You don't walk out on your obligations, Roman says. And he asks Jimmy again if he's spoken to Jay. Again, Jimmy says he hasn't heard from Jay, but he knows Jay will be there. Jay needs some time to chill out, but he'll be there next week. That's not good enough for Reigns, and he tells Jimmy and Solo to go find Jay. Now. Later on, we see backstage, Paul Heyman apologizes to Roman as he informs him that Jay Uso's phone goes straight to voicemail. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa return, and Jimmy has to admit their attempt to contact Jay has also come up empty. Roman fumes about the timing of it all, then apologizes to Jimmy for talking that way to him. Roman says he needs the bloodline to be as strong as they ever were, because if they're not, there's no more ones to put up. Reigns says Heyman ordered catering to the bus, sushi, steaks, a good dinner. And he tells Jimmy and Solo to go eat while he takes care of business in the ring. So the next chapter here, we see still dissension, still see some tensions. Jay is not with the bloodline at this moment. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Roman uh, had uh, did something uh, very unlike him. He apologized. It's only like, you know, maybe the second time this week that he has ever apologized for speaking down to people. But we have precedents. Who was it that he apologized to? It was Mr. Sami Zayn. Mr. Sami Zayn, who he was told to keep under thumb. 
by the wise man. Better to have him in the castle than out, etc., etc. So you're talking down to a member of your family exactly the same way. It's really, really interesting to see the development of Roman and his treatment of everybody else because this is really only the second time that he's had a direct interaction with Jimmy. Everything else is mainly with Jay. And he fumbles the ball because Jay shows, or Jimmy shows a little bit of defiance here. He's like, I'll ask again. Where's your brother? He goes, I say again. It's not as if Oh, I'm sorry, you know, all praise trouble chief. I, you know, what I said was, it was, I said again. No, I'll tell you again. Like, dude, nothing has changed in the last 30 seconds. Are your ears just for show? Kind of thing. Like, if he had a said, are your ears kind of just for show, my tribal chief? Are you dumb? Kind of thing. I would have laughed my head off, but he didn't. He was somewhat respectful. Um, but it, Probably led to Paul Heyman having that conversation in the back without the camera on this time. Better to keep Jimmy in the castle tonight. Because right now we have no idea where Jay is. The reason they can't confirm or deny his presence in the bloodline is because they can't get to him. The only person in that room that Roman can trust is Roman Reigns. Because we've already seen Paul Heyman snake on uh, Brock Lesnar. We've seen the fact that Jay is gone. We've seen the fact that Jimmy has shown a little bit of defiance when questioned by a stupid question. And Roman kind of had this nonchalance in his, you know, in their second meeting. It's like sushi, steaks, I don't know what's out there, but it's a good dinner. Why even mention it? Like, just the wise man went and got food. Where you go. I need to go to the ring. But it's also showing a disinterest in the fact that he's telling them to go and eat whatever. Because I don't want you out there. He doesn't trust them. Because up until this point, he has had them with him the every step of the way. Why now does he only go out with the wise man? The only person that can't defend him. Jimmy and Solo field him, so we sent them to the back. The final stage of a dictator's reign is always when they get too paranoid to trust those closest to them. We are in the final throes of Roman's reign. Who's going to topple him? This notion of the cracks are forming in Roman and in Roman's mind. You mentioned more recently, a couple weeks ago, maybe the first crack in the foundation is seeing that Roman apologized to Sammy, right? Very interesting notion. Like you said, we don't see him break rank or break character, or just sort of give in to, he mentions that he's hot-headed or, or can has a temper, I believe is the verbiage, but he gave in. Even at possibly the council or the behest of Paul Heyman, even if it was to keep Sammy in the castle rather than out. Well, it was. So he gave in. He gave in to that notion of appeasement of sorts. Flash forward to the trial of Sammy Zayn after Sammy says he has no defense. 
gets he gets emotional. How dare you have an ego? You say you won't even fight for this and loses his cool and screams for Solo. Again, mentioned we don't ever see Roman sort of lose his temper, lose his composure, and he did so there. And then another notion at the Royal Rumble after getting hit, that was the sort of the, the match that lit the dynamite and him possibly going overboard onto his, uh, his attack and assault onto KO and subsequently Kevin, rather uh, Sammy, excuse me. And then we see this piece here where he's just, like you said, Jimmy's just get a little bit of that backbone and says, no, again. I haven't heard from Jay. So maybe there is some some pieces to that. You know what? It, Jay's nowhere to be found, like you said. This idea that Jimmy and Solo sort of failed him in a sense. Just just go have the catering on the bus. Have a good dinner. Just I need to handle this myself. I'm the only one that I can trust, essentially, to get these things done. Kind of thing. And maybe it is indeed. The, the paranoia, the ego, the self-serving nature that whatever Roman needs that he's not being fulfilled with, even having essentially two world titles since WrestleMania, but then have, being the champion for well over past that, what is, this, what is this void that he still needs to fill? But like I said, the cracks are forming and it's beginning to look like the foundation is coming loose in terms of the bloodline. Begs to be seen how this will affect Jimmy's relationship with Jay. But we go on to further how to see what this plays out as Roman Reigns makes his entrance flanked by Paul Heyman. We get in the ring, and Heyman hands Reigns a microphone. Roman demands Greenville to acknowledge him. Says he'd rather talk about Cody Rhodes, the number one contender and Royal Rumble winner who actually deserves his attention. These simple folks have reduced him to talking about the past. They want Roman to talk about Sami Zayn, so he'll talk. He reminds us there's two sides to every story, and we're going to hear his. In order to hear Roman's side of the story, they got to go back to war games. Roman looked into Sammy's eyes that night and saw everything he needed to see. What Roman saw was greed. The same thing that he sees in everyone who ever interacts with him. When Roman walks into a restaurant, everybody wants what they want. And that's to use him. Roman gave Sammy a chance, and all he did was use the bloodline and use the island of relevancy. Nobody ever wants to give back. Suddenly, Roman is attacked from behind by a person in a hoodie. Hitting Roman with rapid punches, we see Sammy Zayn attack from out of nowhere. Takes off his hoodie to reveal an edited Sammy Uso shirt with Zayn taped over the Uso portion. Reigns recovers and takes Sammy out. Calling Heyman to bring him a chair, Roman gets it, but Sammy wipes him out with a spear before Roman can use it. 
Zane grabs the chair and goes to wail on Roman. But Roman rolls away to the floor. Sammy gets on the mic and screams for Reigns. A guttural yowl of pain. It says Roman's wrong. Sammy never wanted anything from him. Until now. He's going to take it. Because Sammy's coming after Roman and the undisputed Universal Championship. Jimmy Uso and Sol Sokoa jump the barricade and attack Sammy in the ring, putting boots to him. Samoan Spike from Solo. They collar Reigns with the chair. Sokoa charges in, but Roman stops Solo. Reigns approaches Sammy, says he wants something from him, pulls the chair off as a thunderous, We want Jay chant comes down. Roman yells at Zane for breaking his bloodline, says Roman's going to give Sammy what he wants. But Roman wants Sammy in Montreal at Elimination Chamber so he can break him in front of all his family and friends. He continues jawing at Sammy, telling him this is the simple reality for holding his titles up. You ask, what else could Roman Reigns want? You just said that it was his bloodline. Roman Reigns wants control. Roman Reigns needs control. It's not their bloodline, it's his bloodline. He has referred to it as our bloodline, our family before. Now it's my bloodline. Yes, he has referred to it like this before, whenever he's talking about the bloodline. But he's never really, you know, never really said much else other than that. This is a clear shot in the arm for everyone to start enjoying the loss of sanity of Roman Reigns. If they go down this this whole paranoid, uh, evil uh, Roman Reigns who's slowly losing his marble, seeing uh, ghosts, you know, things where there's, there is none, phantoms everywhere, etc., etc., it would be the best thing to add into this story as it crumbles around everyone. Because nobody wants to see somebody who has it together lose clean. We want to see the, the big bad guy who has been reigning over us, pun not intended, but he has been reigning over the entire WWE for two plus years. He has been the undisputed champion for almost a year, but he's held that universal title and a very threatening aura since before that. The universal title is seen as the big belt now with the prevalence of, of SmackDown. And because he is the champion. It's the one he holds up. He wears wears the WWE belt around his waist, holds up to elevate that universal championship. So his mind is, this is my bloodline. This is what I want. This is all for me, 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 me. Please, for the love of goodness, just keep it that way. Make him into a psycho bad guy that deserves to be toppled. It's not by Sami. You talked about Reigns losing it and, and sort of the downfall of his tyrannical reign. And you spoke about the seeing the ghosts of the past. I want to see Roman as he continues to lose his mind and tries to grasp and hold on to what he has. 
I want mirror spots. I want Ultimate Warrior in the mirror. No one else can see him. But Roman, I want to see him. I want to see lights flicker. I don't we need we don't need to go full Bray Wyatt, but I want mirror spots. I want spookiness. I want physical manifestations of him losing his mind. I think that's what I need in my in my wrestling right now. I don't think we need to go as far as have him recreate a spot from Macbeth with Lady Macbeth just roaming the parapets, washing her hands about the, the blood spots. Like, why won't the spots get off my hands? I don't need think we need to kind of see him go completely lost mind on things. But to have that little bit of paranoia creep in to see those, yeah, that mirror spot where like, nobody else can see see what's going on. The psychosis that we're seeing from this man. Obviously, whenever uh, Roman uh, stops wrestling. He wants to go into the rest, uh, into the the wrestler's paradise of acting. Um, and what what better way to send him off whenever WrestleMania goes Hollywood? Go into the acting, my friend. Become the perfect psychopath because he plays it well. And I just really enjoyed this little stay of execution with stopping Solo, playing off the fact that. Uh, you know, he wouldn't normally do this. And what Sammy did, Sammy sort of stopped. Uh, Sammy stopped um, Roman from crushing KO. He stopped Solo from crushing him. But it is a stay of execution because he wants to crush him in front of his family. Because just like Sammy has destroyed his family, his bloodline. It couldn't get any better. And I know that this is not the direction they go. I would be super stoked with this sort of psychosis taking over roman and then him pushing jimmy away somehow pissing solo off even though maybe solo is the last one or maybe we have a brock lesnar match at, at mania and somehow uh paul Heyman just kind of wanders away to watch the brock lesnar match and isn't there with uh isn't there with roman at wrestlemania so many stupid little things that you could add in but um, this year, there is only Elimination Chamber between now and Mania. So that's where we get to see Sammy versus Roman the very first time for this championship. Give me mirror spots. Give me bollocks. Give me Macbeth. A little bit of Hamlet. It's not his, it's not his nephew, but it's his cousin. As we see the tyrannical leader losing his mind and everything comes crumbling down as all all his loyal subjects slowly walk away from him and he's left just an empty shell that he has it all. But for whatever reason, he has this void to fill that he just, whatever, this vacuum that whatever he defeats or takes can never fill that void. I just want to see how this actually plays out when the entire empire, Roman's empire, comes crumbling down. I feel like we're talking about a different United Empire there, but you never know. Um, as, as a final kind of additional note, I'm just going to have to get me one of those Sami Zayn t-shirts because that looked cool as hell. Obviously with the Uso, just with that bit of tape over it, looked cool. I love the fact that he just sort of went back to his hyper-energetic sort of uh, uh, self as well. He wasn't sort of subdued or anything. He was he was really going ham for it. Love to see Sammy um, just kind of 
skip past his uh skip past his annoying um conspiracy theorist section and then go straight back to being uh normal Sami Zayn but with a little bit of a mean streak. I don't know if you picked up on this, but the shirt Sammy wore, right? It was a Sammy Uso shirt with a piece of tape over the Uso that said Zayn. Hmm. Did you see that it was a what appeared to be a piece of duct tape? over the Uso portion. And who else has a duct tape shirt other than his brother in arms, Mr. Kevin Owens. Mmm. Mmm. A little layer right there. We onions, onions are out here in the world, layers to be unraveled. Uh, yeah, I think obviously there was the whole uh, relation to that. That is really, really good pickup. Um, just the fact that the two, uh, the two have that little bit of tape, and, you know, bringing them closer together. Hopefully, maybe we'll see on Raw this coming week because we didn't see any last week. We'll see KO back. Maybe he'll have an interaction with Sammy. Maybe we'll see something to do with Jay. Hopefully on Raw, but probably not until SmackDown, uh, which was unfortunate because then we have to wait two weeks because we never got to see anything last night from him. Um, I, I'm, I'm just sort of impatient. I think people might have picked up on this. Like, you know, I'm a bit impatient. I want to have everything now. Uh, if I could just have a sort of a bloodline telenovela or, you know, drama or whatever you want to call it, uh, just play specifically for me. I think I'd be okay with that. I'd agree. So those were our thoughts on Sami Zayn betraying and turning on the bloodline, the confliction and the betrayal of Jay, Sami's return and revenge on Roman and subsequent challenge for now the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at Elimination Chamber in Sammy's hometown of Montreal. Let us know down in the comment section on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Let us know what your thoughts are on the downfall, seemingly, of the bloodline at the hands of Sami Zayn. All right, coming up to our next topic here, the Royal Rumble winners. Of course, at the pay-per-view this past week, we saw the men's rumble starting things off. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend himself, the nightmarest of America, Mr. Cody Rhodes, enters the Royal Rumble at number 30. We see a hard-fought matchup so far already, but it comes down two final participants, Cody and the Intercontinental Champion, Untha, of which they proceed to have a hard-hitting affair, complete with chops, superplex, Cody Cutter, shattered dreams, and naturally a crossroad, seal the victory by eliminating Gunther to earn the right to challenge for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship at WrestleMania with Cody having a time of 15 minutes, 8 seconds, and eliminating five individuals. I gotta say, the Royal Rumble, the men's portion, was just a fun match as well. We all know that Cody declared himself in the previous weeks on Monday Night Raw, but naturally, when it got down 27, 28, 29, I think to myself, who hasn't entered? Oh yes the man himself, but not to say that it's becoming a trope, but 
the nature of having sort of the final two kind of have a mini match at the end. I thought it was really good, obviously, for Cody, who seemed to be the sort of running forefront contender to be the winner of the Royal Rumble, obviously with the vignettes and the sort of strong push in that. But Gunther, hot diggity, going basically wire to wire and just having a strong showing and just being in there. And once again, this mini match. And yeah, I think it was in a losing effort for Gunther to be eliminated by the eventual winner and having that sort of position and everything and then be him being praised by the company and fans, notwithstanding Cody coming out on top and winning the Royal Rumble. Now, Joker, I know being a huge Cody Rhodes mark that you were calling for Cody to win. Did this live up to expectations for you? Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Cody Rhodes. 100% dead, dude. What do you mean? I knew 100% Cody Rhodes is coming out at 30. There's no other place to put him. He had to come out at 30 because he's Cody Rhodes. He has to win. He has to put in the least amount of effort because he's Cody Rhodes. Not because, like, he's Cody Rhodes and he's entitled. It's just because he's Cody Rhodes. He is the future of the championship. He needs to win at the lowest amount of possibility to get injured again. Plus, he wasn't cleared until the day of the Rumble. So, there was no point in putting him in early. I question the sensibilities of putting in a man who was cleared the day of the Rumble against Gunther. Because when Gunther chopped and Cody put his hand up, he, he put his hand over the scar, I was like, oh, maybe it wasn't a smart idea to put him against Gunther. I completely understand having the mini-match, but maybe just, I don't know, not do that. He tore his pack, and this man's big thing is chopping people's chest into oblivion. What are you doing, Pop H? This is senseless violence. Um, but I really, really enjoyed it. The, the, you know, the Shattered Dreams, I thought, was hilarious. <laughs> like, having Gunther just draped in the corner. Like, is he actually going to do this? Like, yes, 100%. The Cody Cutters, the triple Cody Cutters, or no, not the triple Cody Cutters, triple um, Crossroads. There we go. We'll eventually get to the name, right? Travel with the names. Uh, the Cody Cutter attempts, the, you know, the, the Crossroads, Shattered Dreams, everything under the sun. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, there, was, there was comments a while ago on one of our videos about how we know that it kind of looks like it's going to be Cody, and, you know, maybe that's a bit disappointing for some people. Whenever Cody went down with his pack injury and missed money in the bank, if you thought that this man was not coming back at the Rumble and wasn't winning that Rumble, then what was the point in him turning up at WrestleMania? Like, what was the point in his contract? What's the point in him being here? He has to do this. And it's not because it's not compelling. The man is the son of the son of a plumber. He is one of these guys that has had really good work ethic and is a, a lovable personality. Sure, maybe he does some, you know, says some silly things and you know, sometimes he doesn't resonate with people. But like I I think he's a bunch of fun. Like sometimes you just have to like a character because they're a bunch of fun. He's he's a wonderful, he's a wonderful guy. That whenever he was in AEW, had a lot of really good fun with uh, some of the, some of the um, some of the talent there. 
Uh, some do say that you know Fuego Two also left AEW. Rumors are unconfirmed that Fuego Two left at the same time as Cody, but you know, hundred uh, percent. I would like to maybe get some confirmation. Maybe he's helping with the orphanages with El Generico, but I can't tell. Um, you see that that sort of stupid nonsense. He doesn't take himself too seriously, and he has a tattoo that is stupid as hell on his neck. <laughs> like, I don't know. I had I had to question where he was in my life with wrestling whenever that neck thing happened. But you know, it, it's stupid. It's you know, I don't. Know, I, I can't really say too much else other than Cody Rhodes was always going to win. He was always coming out at number thirty. This is the other part of why I, I love the fact that Roman Reigns is turning into a complete psychopath and about to lose it because we're going to have Cody Rhodes win at Mania. He will be happy. We will be happy. And then Sammy will win the other belt and then everybody will be happy because, you know, wrestling is just a bunch of fun. The nature of word came out that when Cody declared for the Royal Rumble, he wasn't even cleared. And we heard murmurings that, yeah, he was only basically cleared to compete like day before, day of. So, yeah, it's a little, a little scary to think that what was, there had to have been a backup plan. If the day of came out that he just wouldn't be cleared, there had to have been. Have to. I honestly think there had to have been, but I think that there shouldn't have been. Because what they should have done was not show these in vignettes saying, I'm declaring for the Rumble. Because that's silly. One of the best pops that this, this person about this to talk about ever got was because he came back from injury early and people forgot for a moment that he was the most hated man in all of wrestling. Now I'm, of course, talking about John Cena coming out at number 30. I believe it was in Madison Square Gardens, but I could be wrong. But was it right? Madison Square Garden, 2008 Royal Rumble. There we go. He came out to raucous applause before everybody remembered, we hit you, and then raucous booze. But how can you deprive us of that? That was my one gripe with the men's and women's Royal Rumble, a lack of genuinely interesting surprises, especially with the men's. Women's had like two surprises, but you know, the less we talk about those, the better. Um, but the fact that he couldn't have that opportunity, it, it kind of robbed something from me in the win because that really should have been a John Cena spot, uh, kind of moment. You know what I mean? You're right in the sense of the fun aspect of the Royal Rumble is the surprises, and there were talks of the reason why they let slip and did all these vignettes of Cody returning and declaring himself for the rumble was because there were murmurings that WWE was happy slash satisfied with the surprises or what they had planned for the Royal rumble. Now this to say, was it the Royal rumble matches themselves? Or was it the pay-per-view? What have you? But I'll agree that if we had that Cena-esque moment where Cody just comes in and it's like, Man, we're hoping, fingers crossed, and then it does happen, and then he does win. I felt like, to your point, it would have added a little, that little bit of extra onto it. So I'm okay with it, but I, I can understand your point of wanting to be surprised and having that sort of that huge kind of goosebump moment. Well, let's go back to WrestleMania. 
WrestleMania, the worst kept secret, Cody Rhodes is going to WWE. It's going to happen. Seth Rollins, I've got you a match with somebody. And then all of a sudden, wrestling has more than one royal family. Adrenaline in my soul. Here comes Cody Rhodes. And then, you know, all the way down the rampway, he's being an absolute god mode uh, American hero, apparently. But, like, if you had the possibility of him not entering, the anticipation, if he was coming out at 30, he shouldn't have been declared because if you're coming out at 30, it's always the spiciest of meatballs to see who is 30, to find out who is going to be in that coveted position, even though it might not always have the best win rate, but you see the last person, the John Cena moment, or the Rey Mysterio moment, or the Batista moment, you know, these other people that have probably, you know, also come out at 30. And then you just like, oh, you lose your mind. You go, oh my goodness, we're, you know, finally, Cody's like, everybody would have thought that he's coming out of the Rumble. Like everybody thought he was going to WWE to be at Mania. It didn't lessen anything. In fact, every, in anything, it really heightened it. And that's a stupidly big gripe or something that I'm still super satisfied with. Fair enough. So besides the medical concerns, obviously coming off of a very just vicious looking and, and disgusting injury, of course, I got to say Cody coming back in phenomenal shape. Um, he mentioned to you that he dropped some weight and he just looked incredible. He looked before in his latter stages of AEW, if you looked at him basically like a year ago today, latter stages of when he was doing that last match with Sammy Guevara and then into his debut at the Mania, he was mentioning, he was like, oh, I just want to bulk up and put on some weight. So him not looking sort of like swollen jacked in a sense, but him looking just still in great shape, I thought would probably serve him better. Because, you know, I think the nature of when that injury occurred, it sort of was sparked by that little sort of outside barrage and kind of fight with Seth Rollins over on the barricade. And then he f he sort of just trained on whatever the Friday before the pay-per-view for Hell in a Cell. And then just sort of that's when it kind of happened. So maybe he was trying to go too, too much with the heavyweights and try to build bulk. But I got to say, regardless, it looked great. He looked. Uh, he looks better. He doesn't look again as as swollen, jacked. He's looking phenomenal. And I gotta say, if this is kind of what he's aiming for, I feel like this is probably just you know a solid thing for him, probably as well as for his pack. Yeah, I mean, he's really lost a lot in his shoulders, and that's you can kind of see an awful lot of that because that's where most of it was. Like if you look at the, the Cody then, the Cody now, yes, he's maybe a little bit less in the chest, obviously after a pack injury. Um, but he's mostly in his, his shoulders, his arms, his his chest, all places that would be affected by a pec injury. So 100%, I agree. He wanted to maybe drop the weight, but he's also forced to drop the weight because you're not going to work out your left side and have one gigantic swollen <laughs> shoulder and then have this little bitty itty bitty atrophied shoulder. You're just going to kind of stop, you know, keep the rotation, keep keep all of it moving. I, you know, big Cody, small Cody, I looked at him and went, oh, you lost a bit of weight. You'll probably put that back on because at the minute, his shoulders look unimpressive. Um, he he came back with smaller shoulders and smaller arms. And I was like, you look good, Cody. I'm glad you're healthy. But he wasn't like 
super shredded or anything. So I was like, okay, cool. So he's definitely, this is injury sort of prevention. Looking at him, you went, okay, this is 100% out of necessity rather than anything you've made a choice of. To be fair, I don't, we don't need Cody Rhodes looking like Brian Cage. No, I really don't. I really don't need another Brian Cage in the world. Like I said, I don't care how big he gets, how small he is. I just noticed it and went, well, that's the reason why, and I'm satisfied with that. If he comes out and says, because I wanted to look smaller, I'll be satisfied with that. I don't care. It's the man's body. does whatever the heck he wants with it. But um, next time, just don't work out on a torn pack, Cody. That's all I'm freaking asking, you silly jackamo. Cody comes off injury. Again, just looking in great shape. But on the Monday Night Raw, he declares his intentions to face Roman Reigns. And we get the graphic. And he will indeed face Roman Reigns for the... Perhaps... Face Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at WrestleMania. It's, of course, if Roman is able to get past Mr. Sami Zayn at the Elimination Chamber. But kind of takes the surprise out of it. Again, calling back to our earlier conversation of only having sort of one world champion in a company that has defined themselves of having two world champions for 20 years. But yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of figured that he would. I mean, he has to choose the guy holding both belts at this point because it's the only play. But yeah, if it does come to that, you know, not taking nothing away from Sammy and their matchup at Elimination Chamber, but a a matchup with Reigns like they haven't faced each other since. Geez, I want to say they the Brotherhood of Cody Rhodes and Dustin as Gold Dust faced off against the Shield as Roman Reigns and. Seth Rollins were WWE Tag Team Champions, so they might have faced off maybe slightly further down the line, maybe closer in time, but they've definitely faced off, so it's been quite a long time since they faced one another, and they're both at different points in their career, so should that definitely occur? Interesting matchup of these two uh, Goliaths going head-to-head. I can't wait. Roll on WrestleMania. Yeah. So that was a... Sort of foregone conclusion that we kind of knew Cody was going to win. And indeed we got that. And just glad he's back and healthy and situated. And the matchup is set. Cody will face the champion at WrestleMania. Whoever that may be. Roman Reigns. All right. On to. Mm -hmm. On to. The Women's Royal Rumble. As we see. Rhea Ripley enters the Royal Rumble matchup at number one. Rhea outlasts the entire field. A notable spot, of course, Rhea getting the number 30 entrance, living down to expectations, Ms. Nia Jax. She was able to get uh, Nia off her feet and for a riptide. Might not have been up in the air a lot, but surefire enough, she got her off her feet. But as we see the final closing moments of the match, a final three consists of the opening participants, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan, who came in at number two, made it to the end, and Ms. Kana-chan herself, Asuka. you love to see it. Ripley throws Liv into a codebreaker on Asuka, and former partners fighting over the ropes, pulling Morgan out alongside her. Pump kicks her into the post, Asuka hits with a hip attack, but Rhea pulls her out on the apron. 
Asuka spits the mist into Liv and Ripley knocks Asuka to the floor. Asuka's eliminated. Morgan blinded Rhea stalks her. After a codebreaker cuts Rhea off, but Ripley's hanging off of the ropes. Liv blindly, blindly claws for Rhea, but Ripley catches her with a tiaras. Rhea Ripley wins, last eliminating Liv Morgan to go on to challenge the champion of her choice at WrestleMania. With a final time of 1 hour, 1 minute, 8 seconds, and eliminating 7. So Joker, wrote over to you again. What were your thoughts on when Rhea Ripley was finally declared the winner? She's standing on those ropes and pointing out the WrestleMania sign. I would start singing Rhea Ripley's uh, theme here, but trying to scream I am brutality or, or this is my brutality rather this would is probably brutality. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do it justice. So I'll just I'll just go ahead with I love freaking love Rhea Ripley. Like this was so freaking by the way, that was a really good impression. <laughs> this is a super good freaking win. I love this. Like the start of it, you know, seeing Rhea come out. Big fan of Rhea. Freaking love her. Absolute unit in this women's division and i've wanted her to go i think way back uh, ages ago i've wanted her to go against uh, bianca because i want those two to fight all the time um i just love Rhea, and i think this last while where she's been away from the women's division turmoil i suppose you can kind of call it because it's a wee bit in discord um not in the app but in you know the actual word uh you can kind of see that Keeping her away from everybody has done her the world of good because she's built up this aura of an absolute, not that she needed to, an absolute badass. Uh, and to see her go from bell to bell with Liv Morgan, because I'm told entering at number two is also entering at number one. So technically, Liv did uh, last just as long, minus, let's call it one second, uh, to Rhea Ripley being the last person eliminated. Um, it was super good to see. There was a couple of spots in there. The surprise 30 spot. Um, yeah, it exists. Uh, I didn't like it. It was awful. Um, I, I could say an awful lot of bad things, but I'm trying not to. And then having right i don't know do you remember what the actual time do you have how long she lasted in the match yes i do rhea ripley and Liv morgan for that mat matter went a total of one hour one minute and eight seconds total i don't care who you are one hour one minute and eight seconds it's a long time 50 50 minutes plus in that ring you've already done an iron woman match you know come up to nia jackson you have to lift her the sandbagger of all sandbags. Like, I didn't know. Rhea literally deadlifted her. There was nothing in Lena Finane. Please learn what to do. You're so annoying. You had this stupid monster spot that you didn't deserve. You came in it starting to run. Rhea Ripley's amazing. She won. I'm centered, okay? I'm centered. <laughs> Rhea Ripley won. The fact that we had these three absolutely wonderful women on the uh, on the apron. Asuka's, uh, Asuka's face paint, by the way, was mwah, chef's kiss. So good. Uh, if we have this sort of kind of 
Chan character come uh, come into uh, WWE and she's this more psycho sort of energy, then I'm going to be all about it. Um, and then her blinding Liv getting eliminated and then Rhea giving the head scissors to throw uh, uh, to throw Liv off. Oh, I One wrong move and if Rhea was maybe like an inch taller, she would have just touched the, <laughs> touched the thing because she was stood there and you just looked at it and went, is she touching the ground? <laughs> like, it was almost, it was almost a kind of reminiscent of uh, the heartbreak kid with his one foot on the ground. <laughs> she might have had to do that. But the, the fact that she was able to lift all the way up, like the core strength to lift the legs up, the grab lift, throw her down. Uh, and then, you know, this is my brutality playing it again. Just, oh, yes, congratulations, Rhea. Another absolute unit of a star. Yeah, I was looking at the field and I was thinking to myself in terms of, you know, Rhea's obviously a strong proponent for winning this matchup. You know, since the summer, she suffered an injury, unfortunately, um, which was perpetuated by possibly a couple at the same time, essentially. But when she was able to come back and she proving herself as a heater in the judgment day and just being a presence and she really did a lot of character work and able to get some mic time working alongside Finn and Damian Priest and then onto this sort of natural piece that ended up being played off of Rey Mysterio into and onto Dominic Mysterio, which give him credit, you know, some people think it's very cringeworthy, but honestly, like the two of them just sort of playing off of sort of each other and kind of these things as you know, I Rhea wearing the I'm your poppy t-shirt at Rey Mysterio's birthday party. And then that translated to, you know, I'm your poppy. And then it's Dom's like, well, no, you know, you could be my poppy. You could be my mommy. And it, and this sort of naturally flowing into things and sort of just the two of them rolling together with it. And ergo being this presence away from women's matches and women's division and her interacting with men and just showing that she's tough and can be a force. and yeah, she just did a really great job. And not to say that there wouldn't have been another sort of front runner, but there was a strong presence there where folks were calling for her, much like folks were calling for Cody. Like, I'm sure there would have been another backup plan, but needless to say, Rhea felt like a solid choice for this Rumble, much like Cody was. And she gave a strong performance, even mentioning, even possibly in the if I'm remembering correctly, in the post-match press conference, just she's mentioning she dislocated her knee early on in the match, so kudos to her for being able to having that resolved very, very quickly after her knee dislocated, it went back in, and she was able to continue and finish the match, so I could only imagine what the scrambling would have happened if that dislocation of her knee took her out of the matchup, so... Regardless, powered through, and if you think about the lifting of Nia Jackson and into the spot where eventually she had the tiaras and, and took Liv off the apron, all to do that with her body beat up and post-effects of a dislocated knee, kudos to Rhea, just killing it. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, Rhea has shown her power multiple times. One of the more notable things recently was whenever she power slammed the big LG 
uh, outside the ring. And that's a big man. But, you know, a fresh Rhea Ripley managed to pick him up like he was nothing. It's almost as if he knew how to actually assist her. And then she power slammed him. But, you know, 50 odd minutes in and she's struggling to lift up someone from a deadlift with a busted knee. More power to you, Rhea. Like, legitimately, I would have been like, please do something. I dislocated my knee. You need to help. This could have been a Rick Boog situation where he blew out his quad lifting the, lifting the Usos. This could have been so much worse than it was. Like, so much worse. Kudos to Rhea for staying in the match because I know if that was me and I got a, like, I stubbed my pinky toe, I'd be out of the match immediately. Like, this is just fantastic from her, but um, please keep her on bubble wrap on ice until Mania from now on. She doesn't need to prove anything. She's won the Rumble. She's going to Mania. Make sure she heals that up, please. Agreed. Good brother that Luke Gallows is. Knows how to post for a body slam, brother. But notwithstanding, uh, Rhea. It's funny. It's funny how experience will help people do that. Yeah. It is what it is. That notwithstanding, Rhea goes on to declare on Monday Night Raw that she has chosen women's SmackDown champion Charlotte Flair to have her WrestleMania opportunity against. And of course, this is a callback to 2020, where Charlotte won the Royal Rumble and Rhea, the then NXT champion at the time, challenged Charlotte to a match. So nice little sort of reversal of roles in a sense. But yeah, Rhea just choosing Charlotte and the SmackDown Women's Championship. Well, at least we know who the SmackDown Women's Champion is going to be at the uh, end of WrestleMania because there's no way, no way Charlotte can win this. Like, from a storyline point of view, it makes so much more sense. Make it be Rhea that wins. Like, I know I'm, I'm skipping ahead a lot of months here. I know I'm skipping ahead so many months, but currently Charlotte is in a sort of thing with Sonya Deville. And that kind of just goes to show you what's been going on. I, I, I get it. People are a wee bit adverse to, uh, to Charlotte. I am in the middle. I, really don't, I don't love, I don't hate Charlotte. I understand people are like, she's the 16-time women's champion because she's went away like 15 times every time she loses the title. Um, I just kind of really want to see Rhea at the top of the women's division like she should be like I don't think that she it's not like she's languishing in some hell with the judgment day she's really good and by the way Dominic Mysterio is killing it I love that kid he is doing so well in terms of being an absolute travesty of a human being it's so good. I don't know if you uh, you watched the piece with the NASCAR on SmackDown last night, but if you did, another premium acting uh, acting showdown between the Judgment Day and the New Day with Rey Mysterio. Oh, so funny. Um, but like their interactions with Rhea and Dom Dom, as she calls them, are just like they're they're a highlight for me now. I love the Judgment Day back whenever they formed with Edge. They sort of fell off for a while for me. I was expecting more. But now she's back to this sort of prominence. And I need her to be there because she is 
fast, strong, funny, just an absolute amazing, uh, amazing in-ring ability. And um, she's more well-liked than Charlotte, in my opinion. Plus, she just, she's just Rhea freaking Ripley, man. Kudos to both WWE and NASCAR for trying to give each other a bit of mutual rub. But notwithstanding, you can tell all the folks involved, New Day, Judgment Day, Rey Mysterio just having a laugh and it's absolute bollocks and just having fun with that notwithstanding. I think the drivers had a bit of a laugh too as well. Like yeah, that was so. just some absolute nonsense. And I, dumb, dumb, dumb. Mwah. Chef's kiss, my guy. But going back to the notion of Rhea Ripley, yeah, it's a callback for sure of the 2020 when a lot of folks felt that Charlotte should have put over Rhea Ripley, but Charlotte ended up winning the NXT Women's Championship in 2020 at Royal Rumble. So, do you're already thinking Rhea is going to defeat Charlotte for the championship? We saw last year a surprise return in Miz MMA herself, the big dog, Ronda. I'm Rowdy, Ronda Rousey, came back, won the Rumble, faced Charlotte at the WrestleMania, and lost. So a lot of people were convinced that she was supposed to go over, but she ended up going over the subsequent month at Backlash. Charlotte went away, and on her first night back, took the title back anyway, so it doesn't matter. But not to say that it's a foregone conclusion that Rhea Ripley is going to win, but it would sort of make sense for, you know, nothing against Charlotte, phenomenal athlete. She's held the title many times. She's a safe bet. Whatever you may think about her, her Charlotte Flair, the her booking or her presentation or anything like that, I'll give it up to uh, Ms. Ashley Fleer that she's a phenomenal athlete and she she definitely holds her own and and can be worthy of holding the title as we've seen on numerous occasions, but it would make sense for Rhea to win over Charlotte so that Rhea can still have a connection with the Judgment Day, but sort of kind of go out on her own, potentially on SmackDown, and just go ahead and just kill it over there. So I feel like it would make sense for Rhea to win. I mean, there's no logic needed. It's just, is Rhea bloody Ripley, mate? It's just Rhea bloody Ripley. Have her win. She's the best. Don't care about Charlotte. Give me Rhea. Couldn't have said it better ourselves. So those were our thoughts on the Royal Rumble winners, Cody Rhodes and Rhea Ripley. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your thoughts are on the Royal Rumble winners. All right, so that about wraps it up for us, Joker. How was that, man? We were in the fields. We were getting those roller coasters, especially with the bloodline. And of course, with you, with the American nightmare himself, Mr. Roller Coaster Rhodes. How was it for you, brother? Uh, I, I loved it. Like, Obviously, this is where we would normally talk about our quick hits, but I feel like this is an entire episode dedicated to the quick hits because... I loved the Bloodline segment. I got what I wanted in the men's rumble. I got what I wanted in the women's rumble. Like, I just got everything was a birthday present to me. And I just loved it. And it was fantastic. Um, 
ah, oh, just just getting to talk about it. Like whenever you were describing everything in the bloodline, just thinking about everything coming back, I was just visions of of Rhea at the top, you know, trying to dangle and hold on, and just uh, Cody getting shot, and just oh, everything, and then Sammy with the chair shot, heard around the world, loved every minute of it. I uh, love talking about it, and uh, yeah, I was uh, super stoked whenever uh, all this stuff happened because I was like, oh, planning for this show is gonna be easy. Fair to say, after we saw the rumble, we're like, yeah, we pretty much have an idea what we're probably gonna talk about. So yeah, it makes it easy. Yeah, you're right. Normally, normally we do that on a Friday, and sometimes we're like, okay, so if this happens, then we'll do this. Like we're making plans just in case. On Sunday, after we'd finished watching the rumble, like. In my case, the second time, PT was like, "So we know what we're talking about this week." It's like, "Yeah, like clearly, <laughs> this is before before Raw, before anything." It's like, "Yeah, hundred percent." Like we're talking about this, and then on yesterday, it was like, "If anything happens, we'll just add it on," and that's why we talked about SmackDown. <laughs> there we, we go. Didn't even need to. We're adding a little story beats, you know, a little. Uh, it's the research that makes all the difference here at Kayfabe Council. Mm. but once again yeah this we got a chance to kind of talk about what we really want to talk about those things if it was something else these probably would have been quick hits i would have been an hour long anyway so agreed we were stoked to talk about these things and yeah like i said we just man we came up with some theories we came up with some ideas we just yeah we were just kind of letting it all out so yeah for sure just super happy that uh, we got some bloodline action and you know that we got uh we got some really cool stuff it could be really good could have been better but it was really really good yeah and a show and a week that you know could have gone in complete different directions had other folks won and things not have happened but i gotta say there aren't many times when the wrestling world just is really agreeable and and is appreciative and Kind of the booking goes sort of the way the fans really want, and the fans really enjoyed it for the most part of the majority. And there's always going to be a derisiveness and a division, but yeah, I gotta say overall, WWE is doing very very solid booking now. So again, kudos to Papa H for putting it all together and giving little fans kind of what they want. Oh yeah, well at least for now, at least for now, because with the end of one thing means that he has to come up with the next cash cow. So we shall see how well he can turn one bag into many more. I don't know if he's got it in him quite yet, but, uh, you know, there's plenty of opportunities with uh, Cody Rhodes and Sami Zayn as your champions at WrestleMania. Happy H, just saying. Well, there we go. So with that, for TF Joker, Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Cody Rhodes. And for me, Pretty Tony, we thank you for your time, letting us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.